Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Pedro. Um, Andrew is out today, so today I will be preaching. Um, if you haven't already known, we're going through our study of the Psalms of Ascent. Last week we talked about the testimony for the journey, and I believe the week before that we talked about grace for the journey. So today we're going to be talking about the renewal for the journey. And I'd like to add, I think we could also call it the joy for the journey. So we're going to be reading Psalm 126. And just a short little snippet, Psalm 26 is about the pilgrims in their pilgrimage returning back home to Jerusalem. And when they get back home, they realize this immense joy that they're finally back home. Um, but before we get into that and we dive deeper into it, I just wanted to share a little story of joy um, that also has a little twist. For, our, for my wife and I, our one-year anniversary, we were able to go to California to celebrate, which was a huge time for, of joy for us. Um, and I'm sharing this for two reasons. One, because I think as Christians, we don't really talk about um, the joy that either God has done or the joyful things happening in our lives now. Um, but second, there's a twist to it. So as we were um, towards the end of our trip, we, had to, we dropped off our rental car at Hertz. And we were, um, as we were leaving, we, had, we made sure we had everything. And then we were going to go to In-N-Out Burger as our last hurrah. I'm not sure if any of you guys, he's giving me the, I don't know if any of you guys been there before. I, as far as I know, it's only in California. And it's, it's amazing. And so we were going to have it for our third time. Um, just before we left, we just wanted to have like a final hurrah. Um, so halfway as we were going back to the airport, I realized I, I didn't have my phone on me. And then I'm just like, wait, where is it? So we, we searched everything. We searched our pockets. We checked inside the luggage, and I lost my phone. So we ended up going all the way back to Hertz and looking for it. Um, and there was nothing that, you know, it, it wasn't there. So we ended up walking back, and we were just trying to retrace our steps. My wife was brilliant enough to use the Find My iPhone app, um, and she was able to trace it down. So it was interesting because we saw it, right? And <laughs> where we were at, it was like three blocks away. And if, you, if any of you ever seen it, there's like a little dot indicator that shows your phone. And it showed that it was maybe three blocks away by a Burger King. But the interesting part is that the, the little dot was moving around. So we were like, all right, either someone has it or something's happening um, to the phone because the phone isn't just walking on its own. So we ended up like walking towards it and it has a, a, like, a, a, like a thing that you can press so the alarm goes off on your phone so you can hear it if you're nearby or whatever. So we kept doing that just to see if anything would happen or we would hear it. And as we got closer to the destination, we refreshed and we realized that it stopped moving. So I was like, okay, that's, that's a good sign. At least we can now trace it and try to find it. So as we got closer, we, and mind you, as we're like pacing through and trucking, I'm holding this humongous luggage and it's like getting really hot and it was a very tiring time. So then we kept looking and then we were, it was almost getting dark and we were like, we have to get to our flight. 
Um, so we were at, almost at a point of like giving up, and I, I realized I was like, usually GPSs aren't, aren't pinpoint, um, with, especially with something like that. So it showed that we were right in front of it. It was like, the, the, like a block and then across, like you see the other block. So I was like, let's just try to go across the street and see if it's there. So we crossed the street, and I was trying to look on the floor because as it was getting dark, I wanted to see if the, cars would, the car lights would reflect off something that was on the phone. Um, so I was, I, as I crossed the street, I saw it. There it was. It was right by a fire hydrant. And guys, I can't explain the joy that I found <laughs> in that. Not because like I hold my phone precious and I need to always be on it, because I'm not that kind of guy anyway. But it was the, the joy of knowing that all our memories were there, you know? Because she, she took pictures too, but there's, you know, as we all know, there's certain pictures that we take and certain videos that you take that you want to hold on to. Um, so it was, it, was like, it was literally like a dream. I was like, wait, what? It was like after all this like, time and all this stuff that we were going through, we were kind of sweaty, it was tiring, and we couldn't get in and out. But to find that, it, was, it, it felt like a dream, and I was filled with joy. Um, so we got it. We came, as we were walking back, we were just, I was super joyful. Um, so, she, so was my wife. And we were laughing, and then we ended up going back home. But I share this because, you know, as we dive into Psalms 126, you know, they, the joy that they felt going back to their home, seeing Jerusalem, that joy was, it couldn't, I, I, it didn't settle for them. Imagine being taken from your home, and then weeks, months, or years later, you get back to your home. Think about that joy. And I share that because joy looks different for all of us, right? I found joy in that. Some people find joy in other things, and um, we find joy in all different things. But I think it's easy for us to forget that joy of what God has done in our life, right? It's easy to be joyful for a moment or just for a season and then forget all about that joy and not cling on to it. Um, and as I was doing my own studies, I realized how important the, the value and the trait of joy is in our Christian life. Because prior to my study on this, you know, I, I probably saw joy as just like, you know, this amazing, content feeling of, of knowing Christ. And that's true, but I don't think it's something that we hold on to as we do with, you know, having that strong faith or that strong um, prayer life and all these things. But we need to see joy as a strong foundation in our own life. Um, and just like the, the people of the exiles of God, they also saw that when they were returning back home, as joyful as it was, they knew that there, there was work that needed to be done. Because we all know that life is, we're in the valleys and we're in the mountains, we're going up, ups and downs. But I want us to lean into this joy that, that holds us for the season that we're in, for what God has done in the past and what he can and, and will do in the future. So we'll dive into it, but I, I want us to pray first. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this time. We thank you for just allowing us to just be here, Lord. Um, thank you for just the freedom that we have, the joy that we have, the hope, the kindness that you give, Lord, and, and all that you do for us. Thank you for just this time. We pray for just your, your word to be fresh, that I may speak only your words, Lord, and bring a fresh fire to, to all of us and, and myself as well, Lord. And may you just allow my words to be clear and to communicate effectively, Lord, and just to fully rely on your spirit to make a way and just provide, Lord. 
So we thank you for this time, Lord. May you just illuminate our hearts, Lord. Remind us what this joy looks like and what this renewal looks like in our lives. And we thank you and we pray all this in your name. Jesus Christ, amen. Okay, so I think the best way to go about as we go into this psalm is, so a psalm as we want to keep in the back of our heads is also a song. And uh, I want to encourage you guys to think of the imagery behind the psalm too, but just so we can get a better idea and really see the context of the passage. <clears throat> and the interesting part about the psalms is, at least for the psalms of ascent, they're paired in orders of three. So if it's Psalm 120 to 123, the first one is usually a psalm of trouble. The second is usually a psalm of trust, and the last one is a psalm of triumph. So today we're starting a new one, so we're in trouble. No one called that. All right. <laughs> so let's dive in. I'll read it. And then the best way I want to go about it is break it into the three stanzas, which is we're going to read verses one through two, dive in, three to four, dive in, and then lastly, five to six, we'll dive in. So we'll go in. <clears throat> Renewal for the journey. Okay. So it says, When the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter, and we sang for joy. And the other nations said, What amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. So I want us to first dive into verses 1 through 2, and the main wordings that I want us to point out is that it was like a dream. And second, other nations said, and I'll dive into it more, but again, I want us to think about that feeling that the, ex that the exiles felt when they were going home. They realized what they went through. They were in captivity to Babylon, and now they're finally back home, and for them, Jerusalem was where God dwelt. <clears throat> and I want us to think of a time, because I'm sure, sure we all have our own stories and, and testimonies and things that God has done in the past. Can you think of a time where you felt this kind of joy in your life after seeing a work of God? Can you remember that feeling that God has done something in your life and you just couldn't even believe what was happening? That it didn't settle in, right? I'm sure we all have those, those, those times and those stories and and I want to encourage you, do you guys still think of those times as you're going through life even now or in the past? Or will you hold on to that, that joy in the future? And I think that's what the, the, the psalm is challenging us in this section, to cling to that joy. Because especially nowadays, it's easy to just be this complacent Christian that if people see you, they don't see joy in you. They don't see Christ shining through you, right? And, you know, as we were huddling earlier this morning, with everything going on, it was a fresh reminder, like, we need to be that face of joy, no matter what we're going through. And it's, that's the hard part, standing firm in that joy in the midst of whatever you're going through. And I want to share a time where I felt this, this, this joy, and it's been a strong foundation for me to cling on to even until today. So about, a week, about two years ago, um, I went to a country where, you know, Christianity isn't really allowed and it isn't really 
there's no freedom there for um, you to express yourself and to, to pray normally as we do now, not to, we can't listen to worship music regularly. Um, how we talk, we had to watch how we talked because it's easy for us to use our Christian lingo around each other and outside, but over there you had to watch it. So instead of saying Jesus, we would say like the big guy upstairs. Instead of saying prayer, we would say, you know, we're going to be lifting this up. Um, instead of church, we would say community. And it was tough because as we were going through our day-to-days, you don't realize how much you have to remember and watch what you're saying. It was a completely different shift of the freedom that we have here and the joy of celebrating Christ here and all these privileges that we have and being completely flipped upside down to a country where you have to be on your guard on, on, on almost everything just for the safety of the team that was there. Um, anyway, so we were on our last day and we all entered a room kind of just to hang out and to say our goodbyes. <clears throat> and this is the crazy part. When I walked in, remember, I'm kind of at this point where the normal for me isn't normal anymore. I, had, I was kind of slowly being conformed and adjusted to the Christianity that was there. So I went into this room and I heard worship music. So for me, my, my guard went up. I, it was a weird feeling of like concern and joy because remember, I, I haven't heard of it in like four days and back here, I listen to it every day. So when I walked into it, I felt this immense joy of like, what, it was some kind of idea of like, I, I, it feels normal. And I started tearing up, my heart started to like palpate uh, really fast. But that joy that I felt hearing that worship music in the back reminded me of this joy that I still hold today, right? To be able to have that joy to, to worship, to even preach right now without any persecution or trials or any kind of concern that someone's gonna come in here and start, God forbid, you know, causing harm or whatever the case is, or having you guys as community, praying with you guys, like that joy that I felt reminded me of all the privileges that we have here. And I wanna share that with you guys too because that joy again looks different for me. I felt that joy, the, the joy of being able to do all these things and carrying it as a strong foundation that I don't ever take this for granted. Or when we're worshiping and there's five, six people, it doesn't matter, right? We take those things for granted and we don't find joy in those, like we don't find, we don't realize how important it is to have joy in those things because for us it's normal. But what if it was stripped away, right? And as we were heading back, as much joy as I felt throughout that trip and, and really got it kind of throwing me into fire in a good way, I came back and I realized there was work to be done within myself and within my community and the church. Um, and the same thing with the, the, ex, the pilgrims on their pilgrimage returning back home. Despite the joy that they felt, remember they, that was their home and it was taken away from them. Everything was switched around. Everything was taken away. They had to now rebuild, grow their crops again, all their personal items. They had to start from the bottom up. So though they, even though they had that joy, they knew that they had to um, cling on to God and realize that there was work to be done. And I think I missed it, but the first part of this, one, this first stanza is that I want us to remember the joy. Remember the joy so that we can hold on to it as a firm foundation for what you're going through now and in the future. And the second, as we're diving into the second stanza, verses three to four, 
<clears throat> is that we prepare for that joy, right? So the exiles came back to their homeland, and they're realizing, hey, there's stuff that needs to be done now. We need to, it's a grinding season for them. And I just want to read this, uh, the second half of the psalm does not deny the amazed joy of the first, but it recognizes there is still work yet to be done. The returning exiles realized there was much work yet to do, and the restoration had only yet begun. So they were trusting for God to restore and renew them, and verses 3 to 4 says, Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. And this is the important line that I want us to really cling to. Restore our fortunes. Lord, as streams renew the desert. So they were trusting in God to renew them and to restore them in this new season that they're in because they realize, hey, this is what we have right now. What are we going to do to kind of rebuild? Are we going to try to do it ourselves or are we going to trust the Lord to restore the circumstance that we're in now? And that's what I want to challenge you guys to do right now. What, what is something in your life that you need restoration or you need to see God renew that aspect or that circumstance and to see the streams just come into your life, right? It could be a job. It could be a circumstance. It could be something relational. It can be the loss of a loved one. I'm sure we all have something where we need to see God flood us with the streams of, of joy. Or it can be even our own spiritual life, right? We're not doing this or we're not, you know, really feeling that close to God and, and our spiritual life feels like a desert, dry and like empty and we need the Lord to come and, and fill us with that renewal, right? And it's so easy to go throughout life, right, and not hold on to that, to not hold on to what God has done. And I'm not sure if you guys were here last week. Yeah, last week, Joe Florio said something very important that we pray for things, right? And we ask people to pray for things. And then when God delivers, we're like, oh, that's great. And we move on. That's not how we should be, right? We shouldn't just pray fervently and then ask people and then really trust. And then when God does it, we're just like, great, on to the next. No, we should have that like anchored and, and stitched into our heart so that when we move on, we remember that joy to keep us strong for the seasons that we're in now. Because it's easy to think of those things as something of nostalgia, that we'll never see God do something like that again, right? And I want to read a quote from James Boyce. He writes in regards to this part of the, the psalm. He writes, For the psalmist, as for us, memory of the past could have become mere nostalgia. Those were the days, we say, wonderful but gone forever. In Psalm 126, the memory of those singing laughter-filled days of the past becomes not nostalgia, but the ground of a strong hope for even better days to come. And I underline that, but the ground of a strong hope for even better days to come, right? And that's how we need to see that joy, not that it's something in the past or like since we're so in the thick of it that we won't trust God or see God to do it, but we hold the past of what he's done so that we know that we're, what, the season that we're in now, that he's going to be faithful. When I first became a Christian, which was probably, my memory's always all the place, but I go by 2015 because that's when I got baptized. 
um, maybe like a year after, my whole family all became Christians as well. And just like with life, we see the ups and downs and we see people backslide and we see people walk away. And that started to happen to some of my family members and I was always the one to kind of hold things down. Um, and that was a rough season. That would, at that time, that was a season that I had to prepare for, for, for a joy that the people and my family that I was praying for and having hard conversations with would come back to, to follow, to follow um, God. And I spent many times on my knees in my room, like praying and crying and having separate conversations with my brother and my sister and all these other people because I, I cared so much for them that I wanted them to follow the Lord because in reality they believed Jesus, but they didn't follow. And that's a big difference, and I want us to understand that today. There's a huge difference between believing in Jesus and following him. You can believe in the parachute to save your life as you jump out the airplane, but if you're not following the instructions to put it on and knowing what to do when you jump off the plane, it's not really going to help you. And that's the kind of the same thing with Jesus. We need to put him on, follow his ways and all these things. <clears throat> but as I was praying and remembering, I, I remembered that as I was praying and really kind of weeping, I remembered that what he has done in my life, all the joyful things and all the miracles and all these kind of things that he brought me out of, I realized that he can still do it again in the season that I was in. Despite you know, the hardship, despite all these things, I clung on to it because I knew that he could do it, do it again. And I want to encourage you guys that whatever season you're in right now, to cling to that and to, to prepare. And it, 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 I know for some of us, we're going through some crazy stuff. It sucks. Life sucks sometimes. It, despite being a Christian, it doesn't make it any better. If anything, it probably makes it more tough because we can't live as, you know, the people of the world doing whatever they want, thinking that it's what brings them joy. That's not, that's not what God calls us to be, and that's not life. But I want us to hear that today, that there are better days to come. I think someone needs to hear that today, right? There are better days to come, and that we hold on to that, right? And as we wait for that renewal and the restoration, we need to sow for those days to see reaping through the power and the promise of God. And this brings us to the third point, trusting in the promise of God. And in my notes, I had it here. I didn't have it here, um, which is okay. I prefer it like that. I put trusting in the promise of God as we sow in tears. Um, because the reality is that sometimes we want to reap the joy without ever having sown the tears. And I want to say that again so we realize the, the depths of that line and what that really is saying, right? The reality is sometimes we want to reap the joy without ever having sown the tears. Verses 5 to 6. I changed the translation. I couldn't find a specific translation for this one for some reason, but I'll read it anyway. It's similar to the one that we use. The last stanza says, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. And this is the main line that I want us to focus on. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Think about that lining. He who continually goes forth weeping. 
Does anyone want to continue life just weeping all the time? That's not really, that's not really fun. But it says bearing seed for sowing. So it's not that these tears are empty, but we're in those tears that we're bearing seed. And when we do that, doubtless, we will doubtless come again rejoicing. And I, I, this is an interesting cycle that we need to understand that often joy, joy is often preceded by a season of tears. It's a cycle of just like life, up and down, up and down. We're in the valleys, we're in the mountains. We're in the valleys, we're, in, we're at the peaks. And there's a cycle here. The difference is, were you grounded when you go through the ups and downs? Even when we're at the mountains, and maybe some of us in here have no issues, which that would be very interesting, but some of us are up here and, you know, we don't, we don't have any, any concern or any worries in the world, but even when you're up there, you have to be prepared because life can hit you like that, and then boom, you're all the way at the valley. So we need to be prepared for all seasons. And I want to say it again, the difference is where you're grounded. Are you trusting God during this time? Are you trusting him that as you're, as you're sowing and as you're weeping and as you're lifting up prayers and you're worshiping and you're having your talks with your, your persons of peace and all these things, that he'll come again. That he's going to come again and he's going to do what he's done in the past. We have to trust the promise of God. And I want us to picture this image. Um, picture yourself as a farmer with your own basket and in your own seeds. You can dress however you want, have whatever kind of um, gear you have. And you're in front of a, a field, right? And I'm going to read a quote from Charles Spurgeon, which he's an amazing uh, theologian. And I want us to, I'm going to read this to you guys, and then it'll make sense of how I want you guys to treat your image in your head. Because he, he writes in regards to this, it was a commentary that I wrote down from him that he speaks into this specific line. So remember, we're thinking of this image of the farmer and the, and the sower and the seeds. He writes, he drops a seed and a tear, a seed and a tear, and so goes on his way. In his basket, he has seed which is precious to him, for he has little of it. And it is his hope for the next year. Each grain leaves his hand with anxious prayer that it may not be lost. He thinks little of himself, but much of his seed. And he eagerly asks, will it prosper? Shall I receive a reward for my labor? Yes. Doubtless you will gather sheaves with your sowing. Now that we hear that, and we hear this kind of importance of the farmer and the seed and the sowing, I want to ask you guys, as you guys are farmers in your head, um, what does your field look like right now? Are you sowing? Or are you just expecting something to grow without you having actually to put in the work? Are you planting seeds and trusting God for the harvest? Or are you on the other spectrum where you're just holding your baskets with your seeds because it's so precious to you that you can figure out your own way to see the harvest grow? And I want to just let that sink because, again, all of us are going through crazy things right now. And some of us are in our own homes weeping and, and crying. And maybe some of us have even walked away from God. And we're just here because we're like, you know what? 
You want me to be here? I'm here. Show me something. He's calling you to be people that trust in him, that sow and plant these seeds of faith, these seeds of trust, knowing that you can take a step back and understand that your your situation, even though as rough as it is, there's someone that's watching over you. And seeing your situation weeks ahead, months ahead, years ahead. And that's what we need to cling on to, that as we're trusting and we're sowing and we're weeping, that all these things aren't going to waste, that it's not just going to be a dry season, but he's going to come again. And I want us to think about also the psalmist that wrote this, right? Imagine how much hearts this psalm has touched and how many lives it's changed and how many circumstances it's helped people go through. Imagine the harvest that the psalmist is reaping now and will continue to harvest because the scripture is never going to die. It's never going to cease. It's never going to stop being powerful. And that's how we got to see it, that whatever we're going through right now, and, and that we got to hold on to that joy that God will do it again. And he's going to hold on, he's going to allow us to hold on to this joy through the season that we're in for past, present, and future. And as we close, I want us to take away of how do we become these people that remember the joy right? Prepare for the joy that we're in, for the season that we're in now, to be ready, and to trust that God will do it again. The first ones, and I always like to have my takeaways very simple, because I always say this, sometimes the simplest things are the hardest things for us to do. So the first one is to create a spiritual rhythm to fix your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 1 through 2 says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with the endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. And it sounds so simple, create a spiritual rhythm to fix your eyes on Jesus, right? But I want to ask you guys, with what you're going through now, are you fixing your eyes on Jesus or are you fixing your eyes on what you can do, on the circumstances around you, on the people who, could, who you think may be able to, to help you get through this situation? Or are you fixing your eyes on Jesus? We need to fix our eyes on Jesus the same way and it's, it's the same kind of situation when we saw Peter in the boat and he was looking at Jesus, right? He kept his eyes on him, but what happened after he stopped looking? It didn't go too well. And that, that's the same analogy that we need to practice, that regardless what storm we're in or how shaky the boat is, that we keep our eyes fixed on him, right? Because when we keep our eyes fixed on him, everything else just makes it easier. We live in more of a peaceful state. We live in more of a calm state. And this brings me to the second takeaway, that to build a firm foundation for all seasons of life. Because as simple as that is, sometimes I think we need to reevaluate our foundations now. Because it's so easy to go through rhythms of like, you know what, I got my daily prayer, I got my daily worship, whatever the case is, everyone's foundation and rhythms and structure is all different. 
But we also have times when we realize, like, man, the things that we're doing now, it's not really, it's not really doing much for me. And I want to encourage you guys to reevaluate how your life is. What's priority? What's taking priority in your life? Are you, do you need to switch this kind of aspect? Do you need to make time for this? And all these changes are simply so we can continue to fix our eyes on Jesus and build a strong foundation for all seasons, right? Some of us need to realize that, hey, this is, this is taking too much of my time, and I'm not praying. I'm not really consulting God. It's the same thing. Like, we want to see God move when we're not on our knees. Or we want to see God move when we're not weeping in our tears. You know, think about the life of Jesus. He didn't have an easy life, but yet we expect to have a better life than he did. Right? He cried. He didn't have a place to live. He wept. All these things. But what did he continue to do? He continued to keep his eyes on the Father. And that's what we need to do. And this is the last one, and I want to invite the, the worship team to come on up. Last one is trust the power and the work of God. Again, very easy and simple application, but it holds so much depth and weight in our Christian walk. And I'll read it. And if there's joy to take away from this sermon, I want you guys to hear the words of Jesus. Think about whatever you're going through or whatever you might be going through in the next week or so or whatever's in the past that is really eating you alive. This is the joy that I want you guys to take away. It's John 16, 33. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. For a long time, that used to be my favorite verse, and mine is different now, but it's still one of my favorite verses because it's a constant reminder that no matter what you're going through, that he's overcome it. That's joy already for us to take. Whatever you're going through now, he's overcome it. You may not see it. It may not be happening right now, but it's, it's, it's done with. That, that hurting that you're feeling, he's going to overcome it. That relationship that you're dealing with or that you're going through and you want to see something, he's going to overcome it. But during this season and during this time, whatever you're going through, hold on to that joy. Especially in today's world, with, with COVID and all these things happening, we need to be the people of joy. Amen? So as we close today, I just want us to, to hold those three things, that as you walk out those doors, that you remember what God has done. Remember it, because that's all we have. We don't have anything else in this world besides Jesus. doesn't matter what material stuff, what you think you're going to have, the job, none of that matters. Remember what God has done. Just remember, just keep remembering, remember, remember. And then prepare, prepare for that joy, prepare for for, it, for the season that you're in now, hold on to it. And then trust in him that as you're, as you're grinding out and as you're weeping and as you're crying out to him and you feel like no, he's not there, he's there.
It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.